right, welcome everybody to another episode of Sailor Snacking, the podcast where we talk about the 1990s Sailor Moon anime, and we have a yummy snack. I'm Jen, and as always, I'm joined by Tracy. Hello, listeners. <laughs> so Tracy, do you want to tell us what we're going to have as a snack this time? Oh yeah, so I'm super excited today because we are doing the really popular Japanese candy called Haichu, immensely fruity, intensely chewy candy. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about the creator um, when we get to the snack portion. He's kind of like the Japanese Willy Wonka almost, so it's kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and today we have a returning special guest. We've got Karina. So welcome back to the Hello. podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. These episodes were so good. Yes. Uh, so uh, for Karina's history with uh, Sailor Moon, if you want to know what... what got her into this crazy fandom uh you can go way back to episode two or episode eight <laughs> so this is our third time with karina um any other any new sailor moon stuff going on karina uh i have just been really excited that the 90s are back for fashion i really loved then all of the celestial print you saw everywhere the moons and the stars and i've just been going on a little bit of an online shopping binge Buying everything that's moons and stars. My favorite so far, though, has been a solar light for my backyard that looks very much like Sailor Moon's Crescent Moon Wand. Oh, it does. It's very pretty. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I still have some of the celestial print boxes that I think we bought at like a dollar store when we were teenagers. I think I Mm -hmm. I saw two of them in my closet. I still still have mine, too, and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So give me everything celestial. If I see it, I need it. I need anything with stars and moons. (laughs) No wonder you were attracted to a show called Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So this week uh, we are talking about episodes 33 and 34. This is like we're in like the meat of it now. Uh, So episode 33, we have Enter Venus, the last Sailor Guardian. And episode 34, The Shining Silver Crystal, The Moon Princess Appears. These, this is like a three-parter. So we're going to have Karina mm-hmm. back next time because, you know, you can't just be like, well, thanks for being in parts one and two. See ya. Uh, <laughs> but uh, these are really good episodes. I think, like, these are probably the most exciting episodes we've had so far in Sailor Moon. Like, everything is just coming to a peak. Mm-hmm. They just, I, I've really enjoyed rewatching the show all these years later, and these have just been my favorite ones so far. They just were amazing. I'm so excited for the next one. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with episode 33, Enter Venus, The Last Guardian. So this is the one where Zoisite decides to disguise himself as Sailor Moon. Uh, I love the evil Zoisite Sailor Moon. Uh, mm-hmm. In order to... I guess, trap Tuxedo Mask. Um, yep. That seems yeah. to be the plan. And then we also get, it doesn't seem like a very good plan. Like, I, I couldn't follow the plan. <laughs> Not, I couldn't either. <laughs> Why? Well, no, the plan was, so, like, the episode started, and Zoisite's showing Queen Barrel all of the times they failed. Oh, yeah, and, the reruns of Sailor Moon. Yeah, and Queen Barrel's <laughs> like, why are you showing me this crap? And then Zoisite's like, wait a second, I have an idea, and it's to use Sailor Moon to trap Tuxedo Mask. But then it also doesn't seem like Zoisite really knows 
what they're doing. Um, Cause that's mm-hmm. when Kunzite comes in and is just like, let me help you out with this plan. Still don't know where we're going, but it's too bad that Jedite isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jedite was better at the plans. At the, at the plans and the scheming, but anyways. Mm-hmm. But then why does Zoysite as Sailor Moon feel the need to like go around and save people for a little while? Like that's why does it, that's to lure out Tuxedo Mask. Just be like, hey, I'm here saving people. <gasps> right? I just, yeah. Zoicide is just getting so desperate at this point. Very and, much. Yeah. And Zoicide's such a fierce warrior that it's just so, it's interesting to see the character kind of unraveling in their desperation and what they're trying to do to actually get those crystals and get them together and prove their worth to Beryl. It, but it, it, it's interesting that each of the generals so far have had that moment where of desperation. Mm-hmm. So, like, Beryl is like, you're on thin ice, and Jedi had his desperate plot with the airplanes, and then Nephrite has his desperate plot by dressing up like Tuxedo Mask, and now Zoicide has his desperate plot by dressing up like Sailor Moon. And it's I mean, really there's a bit of repetition there. Yeah, because <laughs> Zoicide isn't doing this for Queen Beryl. Um, he's doing this for Kunzite because that last line before they leave the throne room to execute their plan, he says, I would give, um, I'm doing this all for you in his mind. He says that, uh, I would give my life for you to Kunzite, right? Yeah. So that's where his desperation is. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I always found about the evil, uh, Sailor Moon, Zoicide of Sailor Moon is... Can they not see color? Yeah. Like I mean, off. that's okay. Sure, they've got the hair and they've got like the outfit is looks the same, but I'm like, the color's wrong. It's like getting Sailor Mars and Sailor Moon mixed up because they're wearing the same outfit. Like, the, hmm. So I, that's the part that confused me. I'm like, why is Tuxedo Mask falling for this? Does he only see the hair? Well, you know, I think <laughs> men are more likely to be colorblind than women. That's true. <laughs> it is true. But I mean, that if he's true. only seeing the hair, why has he not pieced together Sailor Moon's identity yet? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it says anywhere if, if Mamoru is colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not completely off. It's just Zoicite is purple and Sailor Moon's like typically red. Like the blue, she's got the blue parts of the Sailor outfit. It's just everything that's supposed to be red, like the ribbon and the gloves and the boots, are just purple. You know, yeah. she's changing it up. She's fashion forward. Maybe purple is the new black in this episode. So, or the new red, technically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely love the evil Sailor Moon Zoicite. I love that Zoicite's got a boomerang instead of because t- t- he can't throw his tiara because he doesn't have the magic powers. So he's got a freaking boomerang. And uh, so I collected the uh, SH Figuarts Sailor Moon line of their like posable figurines. Um, and you can like interchange their faces and their hands and stuff like that. And they made an evil Sailor Moon one. So I'm like, I have that one. And it's awesome. <laughs> but that's the only villain that they made. And I'm so mad because I wanted a Hellenia so mm-hmm. badly. I loved a Hellenia. Uh, yeah, so. Zoicite's running around as Sailor Moon, quote unquote, saving people because, you know, he puts them in peril in the first place. 
And but then, my, go ahead. My favorite part is that Luna's like, wait a second, like, she's watching this on TV, and she's like, Sailor Moon doesn't do that. And then we cut to Sailor Moon eating two ice cream cones, and I'm like, this is why I love this show, right? <laughs> This is how a real superhero lives her life. It's called balance. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love Luna's like, that can't be you, And it's like balance, like one cone in each hand. Like, that's yeah. how you live life. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you can't just choose a flavor, so you need both. <laughs> and then Makoto is like, you're going to get fat. And she's like, meh. <laughs> we already did that episode. I'm cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this teenage stretchy. Yeah, it is. Probably is stretchy. Yeah, she's still She'll young. Burn it she's off at the time. Yeah, I miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> me too. But you know, that's still not going to stop me from having both ice creams now. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, when they're like trying to find the the fake Sailor Moon because they think that it may be the new the next Sailor Guardian. I love how they're like, Luna, could she be the fifth Sailor Guardian? And Luna's like, ah, I don't know. She has I, no idea. Yeah. No clue. <laughs> and then Usagi is like, yeah, but we got to stop her because she's using my name without permission. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was great. Copyright infringement. Wait. <laughs> so she needs to pay me. <laughs> yeah. Which is so interesting because we have Sailor V and Sailor Moon, but the fake Sailor Moon who's looking good on camera is the problem? Yeah, I mean, if anything, Sailor V could be like, hey, Sailor Moon. <laughs> I was yeah, her first. Exactly. Copyright infringement. <laughs> but she's actually using Sailor Moon. Yeah. Right, whereas I, Sailor yeah. Venus, actually, I find it really weird. So she's Sailor V, but she's really Sailor Venus? Yeah. So. And I don't know why they couldn't make that connection. They're just like, wait a second, V stands for Venus? Whoa. <laughs> like, because probably they didn't know that Venus was the next one. I mean, it's logical because everybody else is named after a planet. Mm -hmm. But maybe they didn't know that Venus was one of it. I don't maybe. know. I don't know. I mean, they're all planets. And then, so at the end of the episode, Usagi's like, are you the moon princess? And it's like, well, there's Sailor Venus, Sailor Mars, Sailor Mercury, Sailor Jupiter, and Sailor Moon. I don't know why she's not making this connection, that she might be the moon princess. Yeah. I mean, she had a pretty hard time accepting that she was Sailor Moon in the beginning. So I feel like it's fair that she's, she's probably like, thinking of herself as that. <clears throat> she's probably like, please don't let me be the moon princess. I really don't need this extra responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably. Hard Sailor Moon. Here, you be the moon princess. It's cool. Yeah, she, I think she wants anyone to be the moon princess but her. But at the same time, she's like Sailor Venus. She could be like the Venus princess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's jump back into the, the beginning of the episode, or the middle, I guess, of the episode. This episode also went really quickly. Well, Karina mm -hmm. and I were watching it, and I'm like, oh, wow, we're at the act break already. Because I was like... So much happened. Yeah, it's yeah. just bouldering along. So... This is the first time where the Senshi actually get to meet Kunzite. They've never seen him before when they mm -hmm. show up to, to save Zoisite Sailor Moon. Um, and, I mean, you can really see that Kunzite is 
the most powerful of the generals. Like he's definitely got the most going on. Like, and he traps them in this big bubble that they cannot get out of. Like everybody, every other trap that they've managed to get in with the generals, they've been able to find a way out. This one, they're totally stuck. But they don't try working together. I I feel like that. I don't know. Like in every other plot against the generals they like work together they use their powers together but in this scene they're all using their powers individually and yeah, i don't understand why it's like why not mix some of that fire and thunder yeah they're in a panic they're panicked probably probably yeah mm-hmm. also he starts with a really really big barrier and makes it smaller and smaller i'm like why don't you start with a small barrier and make it smaller and smaller <laughs> Because, you know, they have to kill some time in this episode, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have some time for Sailor V to show up and also to see Beryl for the first time. That was huge. Yes. I mean, they have no idea who she is at that point. Luna doesn't seem to know who she is either. Yeah, well, they still don't really know who she is. They just, because I don't think the generals actually call her Beryl, do they? But they yes, actually they see her. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> they see her for the first time. Um. And I really liked the showdown between Zoysite and Tuxedo Mask. Like, mm-hmm. that was really cool. Like, and the fact that uh, Tuxedo... I love that Queen Beryl's just watching this all from her, mm-hmm. her throne room. And, like, you almost expect, like, a bag of box of popcorn or a bag of chips next to her. Yeah, for sure. Or, like, a spit take when uh, Tuxedo Mask's uh, mask falls off and she recognizes him. Yes. She's, like, whatever big gulp she's drinking, it just, like, sprays all over the place. Yeah, she's like... <laughs> I know that guy. She's like, I know that very generic face. <laughs> and then we get Crescent Beam! And I cheered. That was yeah. great. It was that was good. amazing. She had the best entrance by far of any oh, of the yeah. Sailor Senshi. Mm-hmm. It's because she already knew she was a Sailor Senshi, though, right? Whereas sure. the other ones were, like, fumbling around being like, what's this weird pen thing? Okay, transform. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that's true. Yeah, I wonder if her transition at the beginning was similar to the other Senshi, because we're only seeing her when she's already been a Sailor Scout for quite some time and is feeling confident. Yeah. She's, um... She's almost like the big sister, right? Yeah. She already knows what's happening. Mm. Yeah, and having... Artemis just seems more knowledgeable. Well, he's also been doing this a little bit longer than than Luna, too. So I would assume that more of his um, memories have been woken up. I guess. But I think, I don't know, like, shouldn't Artemis be working better as a team with Luna? Everything was, like, so secretive. And they're, like, communicating through this, like, video game Mm -hmm. center when, like, I don't know, he could have been more forward. I agree. I mean, Luna's already a talking cat. I don't think she would have been freaked out by another talking cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he didn't so, need to mask his identity. The history with Sailor V and Sailor Venus is a little bit more complicated because the original manga that Naoko Takeuchi did was Sailor V. Um, and and then, I love her outfit. Like, I just want to... Yes, the Sailor the, V yes, outfit? The Sailor I know, V one. I wish she kept that outfit. It's mm-hmm. It's awesome. It is. It's so much nicer with the mask and... Yeah, she's got, like, yes. the Luna Lovegood sunglasses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is way before Luna Lovegood, though. <laughs> I know. 
Well, we know who Luna Lovegood was influenced by. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah. So Sailor V, apparently, according to uh, this Sailor Moon fandom page, uh, Sailor V was a decoy Sailor Senshi that was used to to, uh, fool the Dark Kingdom. But that's never really mentioned in the anime. So, like, at the end of the anime where they're like, are you the moon princess? And then... That she says in the next episode that she's not. I think I can't remember if it's the manga or I know it's definitely the live action one. She actually says, "Yes, I am the Moon Princess," and they pretend that she's the princess for a while because her role as Sailor Venus is basically to be the Moon Princess's decoy, like all of the the handmaidens that Amidala has in Star Wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense because yeah. she's got also got like the long blonde hair too, and yeah, then and that's why they at- look very similar. Yeah, and when you look at her original, like, Sailor V costume, so before she becomes Venus, it's the same color scheme as Sailor Moon's, right? Mm-hmm. With the blue um, skirt and the red bow. But, I don't know, she just wears it better. The style's a little different. Yeah, she's got, like, the, not, crop like, the crop top instead of, like, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that the the blue is then lined with the red. Uh-huh. It's just, it looks really cool. Yeah, no, she definitely, I, I really love her Sailor V outfit. Mm-hmm. Same. So then they have, I feel always felt like the, the history of Sailor V integrating Sailor V into Sailor Moon was always a little bit choppy. Because apparently mm-hmm. she's been running around as Sailor V in London for a long time. We're going to get to that in the future when we learn about Mina's background. Because she's so cool like that. Of course yeah. she's doing it in London. Yeah, but I'm like, so you're running around to Sailor V in London. Why is the Dark Kingdom in Tokyo then? Shouldn't they all be in London? I don't know. Evil is everywhere, Genevieve. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to revisit that when we get to the background episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Zoicide and Tuxedo Mask are fighting... Tuxedo mask gets stabbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's important for later. <laughs> She's so gullible. Like, what? Why? And he knows it's a trap. He even says to himself, I wonder if this is a trap. No, I'm going to go anyways, like an idiot. Yeah, it's like, if it's going to be a trap, shouldn't you be a little more prepared than just, hey, I'm here to fight you. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I think he's yeah. also just so desperate at that point that he doesn't have a lot of the crystals and he's just going to do whatever he can to protect Sailor Moon because he knows that she's linked to him getting those crystals. Mm-hmm. I also really liked that the arrival of Sailor V mimics when Tuxedo Mask comes in to save Sailor Moon. Like Tuxedo yes. Mask is, is fighting and then all of a sudden Sailor V shows up and is like, don't give up. And she's wearing a mask and she saves him and then disappears. Just right? like Tuxedo Mask does mm-hmm. to Sailor Moon all the time. Like she does yes. like that fortune cookie like saying and then she's gone. It was yeah. great. I loved that. That was so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, just cool. Oh, such a good entrance. <laughs> she's like, I don't even have time to like make sure you're okay. Just yep. gonna save you and go. <laughs> yep. Got a lot going on here. Gotta save the Sailor Senshi now. Yep, and then she does it again to she aims at hands all the time. So she hits Zoicide's hands and causes the barrier to disappear. And they're like, ow! 
It just shows her experience like she's done this before. She knows where to aim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Beryl is like, ooh, yeah, don't... Uh, you better come back because I don't want you to defeat my future boy toy. Um, he can't die. I'll tell you why next episode. And then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it was was really action-packed this episode. It was. It definitely left me wanting more, and I was very excited to watch the second episode in this three-part arc right away. Mm. I know. It's nice that we didn't have to wait a week. Uh, So, in the manga, apparently, when when Minako is introduced, she's still under the identity of Sailor V and not Sailor Venus. And she apparently kills Zoisite as soon as she appears. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Cuz I think Jupiter kills Jedite? In the in the, manga? in the manga? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Jupiter kills one of them as soon as she shows up and I think it's Jedite. It might be Nephrite. I can't remember. Yeah, no, no, cuz Barrel kills Jedite in both the anime and the manga. And then Jupiter shows up and kills Nephrite. And then Zamina shows up and kills Zoisite. They're murderous 14-year-old girls. Yeah. But also, like, I really like that dynamic. And I guess we'll talk about it a little bit more in the next episode. But, like, that Zoisite and Tuxedo Mask are, like, rivals. Mm -hmm. Like, they're almost like they're pretty much at the same level. And they're fighting each other. But, like, up until this point, I didn't really think that Tuxedo Mask had much power i mean he's just throwing roses everywhere right but for some reason he's a match for zoisite yeah but he's been dueling with him tuxedo mask has been doing dueling with zoisite like this whole arc this whole rainbow crystal thing Mm -hmm. um they've Mm -hmm. been sparring on and off every episode so yeah it is interesting that mamoru who basically or tuxedo mask who basically doesn't do very much up until this point is a, like you said, is, a, is now more than a match for Zoicide. They're at least evenly matched and they can uh, fight to a standstill every time. Yeah. Also, like, it's so unfair that Mom- Mamoru's, like, so dumb. Like, <laughs> but again, we'll get to that in the next episode. He's, he just does a lot of, like, stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> um, is it wrong? I almost like seeing him hurt. <laughs> Absolutely Aww. not. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm glad. Like, I'm... like, he just, like, oh, my God, you're so, like, he thinks about it. He's like, this isn't a good idea. And then he does it anyways. And you're just like, well, well, you can tell yourself I told you so, right? Like, how bad is that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like that arrogance and cockiness he has as yeah. Mamoru mm-hmm. is coming through into, into Tuxedo Mask now that he has his own, like, he can, can he has his two identities together. So he's, and also, like you said, he is, uh, like you said, Karina, he is a little bit more desperate now. So I think he's taking risks. Because mm-hmm. it's so close. Like, he's so close to having the rainbow crystals. Yeah, he's he's very, very desperate for them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. I, maybe I should be making a list of how many times Tuxedo Mask gets stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a good list. Like, the list of times that... That um, Naru is traumatized. Yeah, I do yeah. have my Naru's traumatized list, which is quite long. Um, 
But I th- so he's got stabbed in this episode. He gets stabbed in the next episode. Has he been stabbed before this? He's almost been stabbed, but Sailor Moon saved him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. Um, no, I think this is it. This is the only time blood. Yeah. 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 So that's another thing that I really like uh, that gets carried over from this episode into the next one is that uh, we'll talk about it after our snack break, but that the injury that he receives mm-hmm. in this episode is still very much in the next episode. It like picks up right where this episode ends. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that because I feel like so often when you watch shows, someone will get so badly injured and then they're just completely fine the next episode, or it's just something they mentioned in passing. Whereas this is a big theme of the next episode. Yeah. Yes. Well, speaking of the next episode, do we have anything else to say about this one? We're motoring right along. Mm-hmm. Oh, this <laughs> That's okay. I'm, like, excited for the next one. I'm like, I know. Did it, this yeah. one is a good setup. Like, this mm-hmm. is a really good setup. But the next episode is like, woo. Yeah. Uh, I think the only thing I had that I just wanted to add was, and I know I mentioned this back in episode two, but... Um, I've always found for Sailor Moon, because it is the same time frame, that there are some parallels to the characters sometimes in the Babysitter's Club. And mm-hmm. I've always found Ve- Sailor Venus to be very much like Dawn in the Babysitter's Club books from the 90s. Oh, um, she's sure. just that very cool and confident. Uh, the character in the 90s books had the long blonde hair as well, too. But she just very much reminded me that, that she just had that confidence and she just was very kind of easy breezy and just kind of comes in and supports everyone else and just the characters were very similar I don't think that was a trope from the early 90s it was just kind of how it played out but and I she's know, also I just, like uh, more experienced almost like um, because like she lives in London or she has like a different worldly experience and Dawn is like from California yeah. and that's very much like her personality yeah. too she's like grown up with like a different set like a different perspective Mm-hmm. which is very similar to Sailor V as well. So the other thing I'm interested in going forward is I mentioned, I've mentioned before that I've listened to the Sailor Business podcast and uh, it is a very good podcast, but I don't always agree with their interpretations of Sailor Moon, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this one. And, you know, everybody mm-hmm. is, it's fair to have your own interpretations of, of everything. Um, they are really down on Mina and Sailor Venus in Sailor Business. Yeah. Uh, they compared to her, her to a block of wood a lot. What? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. They That's said, she, Yeah. They said she had no personality and, you know, it was, takes a long time for that to develop. So I'm really cu- curious going forward now that, that Mina and Sailor V or Sailor Venus is now part of the group, what our versions are going to be of her. Because I've never really thought of her quite that harshly. So I've always liked her. I mean, I know yeah. yesterday when we were watching Genevieve and I had said that I love Sailor Venus so much. Sailor Moon is by far my favorite, but Sailor Venus is such a close second for me. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm really surprised to hear. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of like hate on Sailor Venus. Like, what is there to hate? I can see I not know. having her appeal to you, but what is there to dislike? Yeah, so I, I'm interested in, in what our version, our take is going to be on her personality going forward in the future episodes. Because, yeah, I don't remember her being that bad or that, like, I remember her having a personality and her having, like, 
all of that stuff. Like, she is her own person. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. she gets along really well with Usagi. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see how, like, their personalities are very similar. But, I mean, like, similar in the way that, you know, teenage girls are. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And again, so, like, I don't... The, the Sailor Business, I don't want to rag on Sailor Business, because, like I said, I'm still listening to this podcast, and I enjoy it. They're almost done stars, and I really want to know their opinions for the fi- finale. But anyway, uh, they are two men <clears throat> watching this show, mm-hmm. and then they have a female guest every time. So, I mean, they are also looking at it from a different gender personality, like a gender view, right? We were, we three were teenage girls growing Mm. up with Sailor Moon. They are men growing up with Sailor Moon, which does not diminish their love at all. But, you know, we have a different filter on how we perceive what they're going through because of our gender. Yes. Cool. Let's, let's, (laughs) let's, yes, I'm all for stacking. (laughs) Okay, so let's uh, stop our our, uh, our review of episode. That was the end of episode uh, 33. So before we get on to episode 34, Tracy, why don't you tell us about our snack? Okay, so today we're doing Haichu. Um, and I, ha- I grabbed a pack that had dragon fruit, kiwi, and acai. And I believe Karina has mango. And mm. Genevieve, you have like a mango mix? I'm not I have, yogurt mix. Yeah, I have blueberry yogurt, strawberry yogurt, and plain yogurt. Ooh, interesting. I don't know which one to try. I'll probably try all three. Um, but so Haichu was started by this guy. His name is Taichiro Morin- Morinaga, and he's from Japan. But um, he had like a pretty sad kind of upbringing, and he like moves to America in his twenties, and. So I'm on the Haichu website, and when he moves <laughs> there, uh, someone offers him a piece of candy, and he, like, decides, oh, my God, I need to make candy for the rest of my life. Like, that is his story. So this is – so he's born in 1865, and he moves to America in 1888, and then – in after he's done his like candy training, he like moves back to Japan. So in 1899. So he spends, you know, his lifetime creating chocolate, creating different candies. Um, in 1923, um, he's like known as like the hope in the darkness, like candy for like families displaced by disaster. Um, wow. Yeah. So he's kind of like reminding me of like this, like, but he's not fictional. He's not like fictional like Willy Wonka is, but he's like the mm. candy man of Japan. <laughs> so but he's not fictional. <laughs> he's like a real guy. Um, and so in 1965, tulips are born and they're kind of like, so he wanted to create like a gum that you could chew like a gum, but like swallow because it's candy. So that was the original high chew. Um, but then the high chew that we kind of know today wasn't really invented until 1975 so yeah so that's kind of like the history of of haichu so i kind of think of them like i always thought of them as the um like japanese starburst yeah i'm gonna try the plain yogurt first because this is the one that i think is going to be the least tasty and i'm confused for mine because when mine has white around it so i think it might have kind of a yogurt flavor no mine has white around it too are they all supposed to Mm-hmm. No, because when I was oh, are they? Because when I was looking in the store, they had the two different mango ones. There was one that didn't seem to have the white. 
Oh. It does not taste like yogurt. And it's very hard. Mm. Mm. Mine, Mine is very, very mangoey. Mm-hmm. So plain yogurt does not really have very much of a flavor other than sweet. Mm-hmm. So I just had the dragon fruit one. I'm a little, a little disappointed. But, um... Because I just had dragon fruit for breakfast, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> But I really love the um, mango flavor and the strawberry flavor, because those mm. ones are, like, super intense and really taste like the best essence of the those fruits. Mm-hmm. Um, kiwi is also my favorite, so I'm going to try that one, too. So mm. I have a weird one. They're, like, coated in chia seeds. And at first I thought that was going to be really weird. But when you think about eating a dragon fruit and when you're eating a kiwi, the seeds are pretty prominent in those fruits. So mm. it, it gives kind of like that, almost like the same texture as eating the fruit. Oh, neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's healthy because chia seeds. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't like my candy healthy. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try strawberry next because the plain, plain was very underwhelming. I mean, it's mm-hmm. plain yogurt, so I wasn't expecting like a big flavor pop. It basically just tasted like chewing like a squishy sugar ball. Mm. Um, so if you're not really into intense flavors, the plain yogurt is is good. I mean, mm. I'm, I'll still eat the rest of the bag. So now I'll try strawberry. Tracy, I can definitely see why the mango is one of your favorites. This is it is tasty. And it definitely like very much tastes like mango. Mm. Mm. Maybe it's the yogurt thing. Like, this is also, the strawberry is also a pretty subdued flavor. Mm. Yeah, it's probably because it's, like, mixed with mango. I mean, like, mixed with yogurt. Mm. So it's kind of like those Campino candies. Mm. Mm. It's a nice, mild flavor. It kind of tastes like um, Hubba Bubba. Mm. I will Mm. say, I'm very, looking at the ingredient list, I think it's really interesting. These are gluten-free, which is nice to know for my celiac friends. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely not vegan, as they do have gelatin in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think they're lactose-free, but they're made in a facility that also processes milk. Mm, only they have milk in them. Oh, yeah, mine says may contain milk. Mm-hmm. Mine says lactic acid. So, I've never had, like, an actual... Like, I've had dry acai berries. I've never had, like, an actual acai... Like real. No, same. Mm-hmm. But the the high chew candy tastes really good. Like the the acai flavor, it's pretty yeah. tasty. So I'm like looking I, at the ingredients, and there's actual kiwi puree in mine. Mm-hmm. Which mine I, actually has mango juice. Mm-hmm. Mine has strawberry jam. <laughs> Whoa. And purple sweet potato, apparently. I guess yeah. that's for the blueberry one. I also have purple carrot juice in mine. I think I really want to try um, one of your flavors, I, either you or Karina, Karina or Tracy, mm-hmm. just because I think your flavors are probably a little bit more intense. The yogurt ones are a very mild flavor. They're very good, mm-hmm. but it's not like a pow. It's more like a hmm, that's nice and sweet. Yeah. Like I can eat like a whole... Like, oof, I gotta put these away because I could eat like a whole bag of high chew. <laughs> because they're like I don't... chewy and, and fun. Like they're and they're the taste is so intense. 
Yeah. As a vegetarian, I do tend to avoid gelatin. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, I'll just eat one or two. I'm now finishing up my third. <laughs> Sorry, animals. <laughs> the blueberry one is not as good as the strawberry one. Mm. Again, it's very, very mild. So yeah, for intense flavor, try mango or the berry ones that Tracy has. For a very mm. mild flavor, but still very sweet, try the yogurt ones. Mm. I liked the snack. <laughs> Good choice, Tracy. No problem. Sorry about all the chewing noises, everybody. Mm. They're, very, I mean, they're <laughs> called high chew. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can definitely see, like, with the history that you provided, Tracy, like, these are very, like, a gum that you can chew and swallow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they definitely met the goal. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I just find that hilarious. Though that's like what he was trying to achieve. Because <laughs> it's rude. Because I'm reading the website and he's like, the reason for this is because it's rude to throw out your gum. Interesting. <laughs> it dissolved as you chewed and you didn't have to take it from your mouth to dispose of it, which, which mm. is, let's face it, a little rude. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your favorite flavor, Tracy, out of the ones you tried? Um, well, I've always really liked kiwi because it's pretty intense. But um, so... I think that's my favorite out of the three flavors I got, but I was really surprised at how much I like this acai flavor one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my favorite was strawberry, definitely. It tastes a lot like the strawberry hubba bubba gum. Mm-hmm. The blueberry didn't taste very blueberry-y, but again, it was very mild. Mm-hmm. And you really like the mango, mango, Karina? I do. It's yummy. I'll save the rest of the package for next time I see you, Genevieve. <laughs> I don't know when that'll be. I I might just buy a new package before that. I I think we might have to. It's only good for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And I know how long candy lasts in your house. (laughs) Yeah, that's a valid point. I always get a little embarrassed when I go and buy candy and people are like, oh, it's a lot of candy. And I'm like, yeah, it might last a few days. (laughs) And they kind of look at me and I'm like, don't judge me. Don't judge. Don't judge. It's not your business how much candy and chocolate I eat. Exactly. You know what? Mm -hmm. Also, like, my favorite thing to do is, like, anything right now. Yeah. Can we like, still use it at this point, though? I mean, I still am, but can we? Oh, yeah, it's still a no. pandemic. It's still it's a still pandemic. going on. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that as, I'm going to milk that excuse for as long as possible. <laughs> Even when it's not a pandemic, you'd be like, but it was just a pandemic. It was just a pandemic, and I'm still getting over it. I am not over the pandemic yet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 2024, it, it, I'm yeah. like, oh, that scarred me. I mean, I'm still using all of this as an excuse to buy loungewear. There's only so much I need, but that's not stopping me. Of course. That's all you need to wear right now, because you can't yeah. go anywhere. Yeah. Not I'm, really. I'm, kind of hoping that I end up working from home again so that I can be like, all right, business on the top, pajama pants on the bottom. <laughs> I just don't even do that. I fully admit I wear a tank top with, with pajama bottoms while I work from home. <laughs> it's all fine unless you have to Skype call. <laughs> well, I do regularly like, in my role. <laughs> yeah, see, and I'm like, then they only see me from the waist up. So as long as I'm wearing a semi-decent shirt and I've showered, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> And I only do the front part of my hair because nobody can see the back. <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> All right. So that was our snack for this episode. Let's get back into our ep- our uh, next episode is 30. What are we at? 30... 34. 30, 30, mm. 34. Oh, my gosh. Petra just jumped up on and has now blocked everything on my screen. I'm trying to read around a cat. Hi, kitty. So, episode 34, The Shining Silver Crystal, The Moon Princess Appears. Petra, get out of my water. <laughs> That's not part of the title. So, <laughs> the very first thing that they said in this episode, which I think should be the title of the episode, was, mm-hmm. I can't believe that big mean jerk was Tuxedo Mask. <laughs> yes, yes. That was amazing. <laughs> So, like, this is the episode where things are, like, super intense. Like, we've got uh, Mamoru is still injured from his fight with Zoysite the previous episode. We've got all the Sailor Guardians now. Um, Everybody is, like, desperate to get the crystals. Although it seems like the Sailor Scouts are slightly less desperate to get the crystals than the Dark Kingdom and Tuxedo Mask. Because they don't have any right now. (laughs) But their goal is mostly to, like find the moon princess like the crystals are are okay but their main goal has been this whole time moon princess yeah Mm -hmm. they don't know how how much those two things are connected though yeah Mm -hmm. all they know is that the moon crystals will lead them to the princess Mm -hmm. so i guess they figure as long as they are in the area when the crystals are all together Mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter who's got them because they just care about the princess showing up exactly Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Let's. I'm. I really want to talk about like his injury because I know that's where we left off right before we dived into the snack break, yeah. and like he's not doing well. Like when Usagi sees him mm-hmm. in the street, he's like hunched over. Like mm-hmm. he can't even fake that um, he's injured. So that's that's not a good way to be showing up to a fight no i know when creed and i were were talking i'm like dude get some like ibuprofen go to the drugstore and bandage that shoulder up yeah i mean get an adrenaline shot suit jacket (laughs) (laughs) go to the hospital and tell him you've been stabbed yeah he sits down on his couch and i'm like okay now you're gonna get blood all over your couch dude you can never get that out Do you know this from experience, Tracy? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing that she's willing to admit on a podcast. (laughs) I love that Queen Beryl orders Tuxedo Mask to be taken alive. And she's like, yeah, it's totally the great ruler that wants him, not me. I know. Yeah. And I'm like, you got the hots for Tuxedo Mask. Come on, lady. Yeah. But okay, then I have to say, like, I think she, the age difference between, like, Mamoru and Queen Beryl here, that's pretty, that's got to be some years, right? We really don't know how old Queen Beryl is. Mm. Like thousands of years old. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. Or she could be 29. We don't know. Yeah. I don't think this, sh- this show has a history of not caring about significant age differences. No, and so. I know. <laughs> I just wanted to point out, it's like a theme. Love is love. 
Love is love, and it doesn't matter how old you are. I'm pretty sure there's a, a show about that. <laughs> On Netflix oh, there is, or something. There is. Yeah. yeah. Although Love in the Dark Kingdom is really not um nice, good love. It's it's possessive love. No, and I mean the Kunzite Zoocyte back and forth in this episode is a great example of that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, right, Zoocyte is, Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I mean, Zoocyte is definitely just a pawn for Kunzite, and but oh, Zoocyte yeah. has some very strong feelings for Kunzite. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, Nephrite was the only one who realized that their love was that the love in the Moon King or the Dark Kingdom was so toxic, and he got out. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until then that he was like, "Oh, maybe this isn't a good thing to be involved in." <laughs> right, he was like trying to leave a. Like a, a cult or something or a gang. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, sorry, Nephrite, but you can't leave. <laughs> uh, I really like that Zoicite shows up on his TV and is like, "Hi, Mamochan." <laughs> yes. Chan, and I'm like, "Ooh, that's just like." That's very condescending. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Hey, hey for Zoicite. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I have to say, I did actually feel really bad for Amoru there. It's, I mean, he can't even get peace in his own home. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's no escape from his identity at that point, his tuxedo mask. Yeah. And I mean, I think he's he's realizing the desperation and the, he's like, okay, you know what? I know I'm hurt, but there's literally nothing I can, that can be done right now. I have to keep going forward with this. So. I have to I was- wonder, like, what time it is. Because she's like, meet me at the Starlight Tower at 5 p.m. And it's like, okay, so like there's, it seems like there's hours that he could go and get a bandage. I know, because it's nighttime when they're talking. So I'm assuming it's like 3 a.m. or like midnight. And so he's he's got an entire day. He's got an entire day. Yeah, He could go get stitches. (laughs) Yeah, because aren't the girls on their way to school in the last episode? before he gets hurt and they've essentially missed the school day I'm assuming in whole to go no, to that they battle were, they were off so like when they were eating ice cream in the episode before mm, okay they had a day off of school which I would have interpreted as like a PA day or something because she was Saturday? like oh this is yeah no she's because she's like this is the best way to spend a day off of school Oh, right, right. Mm, okay. Yeah, so I don't know if that was, like, a planned holiday or something like that, but she, it was, like, a day, and they were, like, eating ice cream, and, like, that's how I like to spend my days off. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. So, so is it, because Usagi seemed to be on the way, was she in her school uniform, or was she in regular clothes when she runs into Mamoru so, on um, the street? She is on her way, yeah, so she's yeah. on her way to the temple to meet the other girls after school. Okay. So oh, yes. okay. So she's like running. She's like, I can't believe I got caught in detention after school. And I'm like, Yeah, isn't that like your regular life? But anyway, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I can just picture what Ray's gonna say to me. And then there's that great shot of like gigantic Ray berating her. She's like, you can't be on time for anything. Yeah, exactly. I, I have to say, like, good on the Negaverse for not letting these Sailor Guardians miss school. they're very conscientious that way yes let's only attack after school so like I wonder if Mamoru is like well I'm just gonna get a good couple hours of sleep and then go fight Zoicite instead of you know tending to my wound which was weird 
No, and well, sorry, I'm going to go back on your comment, Karina, because they were interrupting her school day from the beginning, like targeting her teacher with like, okay. some, like brooches and like love letters and stuff. Like this is like they were always targeting school. Um, and she had to like leave school during like lunch hour to like go to the fitness gym. So oh, yeah, her yeah, teacher yeah. collapsed once. And, yep. Yeah. So yeah, they have they haven't been that okay. conscientious. Yeah. That's they, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for. <laughs> but for this final battle, it's nice that they decided to do it outside of school hours. Right. Because yes. you yeah. know they could have had this battle at one in the afternoon, and <laughs> none of the Sailor Scouts could have showed up. <laughs> I also think like they're. They get their power from darkness, right? They're the dark kingdom. So they probably prefer to do things at night. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, I love that. Uh, I love the scene where Usagi is late and sees Mamoru and um, immediately like slaps him on the back. Yeah. <laughs> because mm. she's their Their dynamic right now is like jokey with each other. Um and I mean, usually it means Mamoru says something a little bit more hateful. But I mean, I th- I feel like Usagi still, you know, calls him a jerk. But they they do have that underlying kind of a friendship base, even though it's like a, it's like her friendship with Ray, right? Yeah. So His slaps girlfriend? him on the, yeah. So yeah. slaps him on the back, and you know he's nice to her for a second, and she's like, oh, something's not Some right. Stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're being nice to me. This is weird. And then notices that there's blood on his hand. So she, instead of going to meet up with her friends, who she's already concerned that they are going to be mad at her for being late, she's more worried about him. So she follows him. And I'm like, this is prime Usagi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. it's so sweet. Uh, especially since he's like, stop following me. I don't want you here. And she's like, I'm worried about you, you big jerk. I'm following you anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would normally say it's just her being curious and nosy, but this definitely seems very, that seems to be such a small part of this and just genuine concern for him. Because they've become friends over Mm. the last 30 some odd episodes, right? So Mm. even though they, they have this dynamic where they kind of take shots at each other, usually verbally, um, they're, they're still kind of friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like I said, it's like the relationship with Ray. There's still that underlying friendship and and uh, affection towards each other that neither of them, both of them enjoy, but neither of them really understand at this point. Mm-hmm. And so I think we also had a discussion a while ago about how Mamoru is probably not really socially adept. <laughs> and right. We talked a little bit about how he's not great at conversations with people. So I think that also is part of their dynamic is that he is trying to be that friend that you can joke with, but it always comes out being mean sounding because he's not entirely sure how to do it properly. Yeah. That might be, that might be giving him too much credit, but I, that's how I like to choose to see it because it makes their relationship less creepy. It does. Yeah. For sure. I, I am softening a little bit to him as the series goes on. I still think he's a jerk. I still have some issues, but I am softening a little bit. I mean, when you, because I mean, when his parents die, when he's so young, he really isn't getting that example. He's not able to see his parents having relationships with their friends and how they interact. And 
So he spent his early years like mourning his parents, trying to figure out what his life looks like and adjusting yeah, and to he a had, new one that he wouldn't have had time to pick up on those social cues that a young boy would learn. And he can't even remember anything that he had learned prior to that because he has amnesia mm-hmm. from, yes. from the car accident. So he's basically at six years old, starting at page one. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff, like you learn a lot of stuff before you're six years old about interacting with human beings. So, you know, he's probably a little bit delayed in that aspect, which is maybe why he's coming off a bit as a jerk. But he's got yeah. friends like Motoki to help guide him. And now he's got Usagi and, and the other girls to help him. And I think that along with a lot of the other characters in this show, Usagi's really teaching him about friendship, too. Yeah, and it's really interesting because when he tells her that story about how his parents died in a car crash, mm-hmm. she softens to him too. She's mm-hmm. like, I used to think you were the worst person, but now I'm upgrading you to second worst. And then yeah. I'm like, who is the worst? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, okay? <laughs> I'm going to assume the worst person is Zoicite to her at that point. Oh. <laughs> I know, I'm like, so... But he used to be the worst. And I'm like, seriously? Yeah. 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 Like, she cuts him a lot of slack at that point. She's like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, and I think, like, that whole part is really, like, this whole episode is really pushes the two of them together and really kind of cements their mm-hmm. relationship and shows them that there can be more. Like, it really show, puts them in a situation where they have to decide how important their friendship is to each other. Um, yeah. Especially at it's, the very, very end where Tuxedo Mask gets stabbed for her. I, I do really like that when he's in the worst place, that is when he's nicest to her. Um, that when he's in pain, he's actually kind to her. That when he doesn't know that she's Sailor Moon, he's so protective of her in this episode. Like, I mean, it shows... It, I, I mean, I softened to him a bit just because it shows like his heart is in the right place. He's just so hard on the shell and on the edges. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where he's and, like but, bargaining. He's like, just let the girl go, right? Yeah. He also yeah. is a little too noble and a little too trusting with the crystals. I'm like, when you yeah. went, when, okay, so Zoe said yeah. puts down her five crystals. He goes to put down his two. I'm like, take the five, just grab them. You know that's what they're going to do. Just do it first. You should have just done Mm -hmm. it first. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, what? And that I found odd. I don't know if it was just this. He's he's in pain and he knows he's not at his best for a battle, that he's desperate in doing this. But I found that so odd because he's not been a trusting character. Like, he's been so abrasive in the past with Sailor Moon and not super helpful other than abrupting fights and getting them back on the right path. Like it, it just seemed a little odd. Mm-hmm. So maybe he actually did take a painkiller because this character seems a little off, right? He's mm-hmm. nice to Usagi. He's not <laughs> thinking clearly. Like his actions are very off. Like he took a codeine before he headed off the battle. <laughs> I think he Or did. maybe he didn't take a painkiller. It's just the pain is what's causing him to be off. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, this episode, I mean, I love Usagi. She's my favorite by far. But I really liked in this episode, especially that she's never put up with his BS. And she really didn't in this episode either. Like, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> okay. um, now we have a big quiet spot. <laughs> oh, 
It's because oh, so I need another candy. I was going to say I heard a candy opening. <laughs> it was not um, me. I've been tempted, though. <laughs> so I like that when the senshi noticed that Usagi's missing, Mina is the one who steps up and is like, oh, yeah, I know where she is. I know what's going on. Uh, like, she doesn't even know these people very much anymore, but uh, Minako's already kind of taking charge. And um, <laughs> I love that they can't figure out how to get in, and, and Jupiter's oh, solution to everything is just like, eh, I'll make a door. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't think before she acts, and I think that's what I really like about her. <laughs> She's just like, well, let's just break down the door. She's also, like, the biggest of the Sailor Scouts, too. It's almost yeah. like she's like used to forcing her way into situations. Yeah, so she's it's like, like she's she's the like the antithesis and the opposite of of Ami, where Ami is like, oh, let me scan it and let me see where to look for weak spots and blah blah blah, and she's just like, kaboom. Yep, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> got a door now. <laughs> Would you look at that? A door. <laughs> <laughs> How convenient. I also really loved in this episode as well, Jamie, we've seen such growth in Usagi throughout the season as her confidence has grown. And I just think this was really um, before she's transformed where it's really starting to come out, even when she has uh, just with how confident she is in her role as Sailor Moon and knowing that what she can do. It just was really nice to see. It was, yeah, because yeah, it was nice to see that she was just like, okay, so if I don't do something right now, we're going to be turned mm-hmm. into crispy bacon. So she transforms, even though she doesn't want Mamaru to know who she is. She's like, well, guess I got to do it. Yeah. Right? She knows what she can, like, what she's capable of. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice, like you were saying, um, Usagi from like the first couple of episodes in this situation would have just been crying and freaking mm-hmm. out. And but now Usagi, thirty-four episodes in, has that confidence and is like, "I got to do it. I'm going to save us. Here we go." And it's like, I love, like you said, I love the growth of Usagi throughout mm-hmm. this whole thing. And she starts like putting pieces together. So even before she sees Mamaru <laughs> transform, she's like, mm-hmm. "Okay, wait a second. So he has a shoulder injury." And Tuxedo Mask had a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. So she's already making those connections. She doesn't want to admit it, but she's like, I see something happening here. It took her a while to make that connection, though, because Karina and I, when we were watching it, we were like, come on, you could do. Oh, you were so close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, also I think she makes that it- as well, too, because she doesn't want to believe that he is. Yes. Of I, yeah, exactly. Oh, my she's goodness. Like, her expression when she sees him transform, it's like her whole world ends. Like her yeah. face is just like, like what is what is happening? Yeah. So I remember very, I remember very clearly in the the dub version from the '90s that they that part where she's turning around to look at him, they do an inner monologue of Usagi going, "Oh my God, I can't believe he's tuxedo mask that big." dweebazoid or whatever they'd say in the 90s and I really like that in the original one that that moment is silent because it really Mm -hmm. does an impact of what you're saying about her world just her mind being blown her world shattering like just the 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 quietness of that moment is just Mm -hmm. perfect Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like you can, I don't know about you, but I felt like I felt her like internal struggle. She's like, what is happening? Like, this is the worst yeah. thing ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then even though she's she's forced to, to kind of in like a split second, because then, you know, danger happens. She's trying to reconcile with these two. And I love that they did those those images popping back and forth of, of Mamoru being a jerk to Tuxedo Mask being nice to Mamoru being a jerk to Tuxedo Mask yeah. being nice. And she's trying to reconcile in her mind that these two people are the same person. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have a lot of time to come to terms to, of that before um, Zoysite makes that giant crystal and shoots it at her. Mm-hmm. And Tuxedo Mask jumps in front of her and is impaled, basically, and dies. <laughs> Or is very close to death. Mm-hmm. And like that whole red on black uh, kind of inverted way that they showed it is just like, it makes me, it almost makes me cry every time. It's just very mm-hmm. shocking compared to the like bubblegummy pink sparkliness of the episode. Damn, like you get this really sharp, poignant part of the episode coming mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask a question because I'm not sure if it's explained anywhere else, but like, what is it about Usagi's tear that brings the rainbow crystals together? It's because she's the, the moon princess. So it's like her DNA, I guess. But she like cries all the time. Yeah. Maybe but it's this because is the first time se- the crystals have been together. Yeah. Oh, you have okay. all seven crystals together and then her, she's like the catalyst that brings them together to form the silver crystal. Mm. So even if the the Dark Kingdom had all seven crystals this whole time, unless they also got Usagi, it would have been just like, so why are these things what are we still, doing? Why are they still rainbow crystals? Like, do we shake them? Do, do we put them in the microwave? Like, how do you make them <laughs> one? <laughs> right. <laughs> Step one. First, you bring your butter to room temperature and... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, oh, the other thing that's mentioned on this fandom page is that, um, so in the manga, there is no rainbow crystal arc. The rainbow crystals don't exist. Uh, so the reason why Usagi cries and gets the silver crystals, because the whole time Usagi's, the silver crystal has been in Usagi's tears. So that's what forms the crystal. And I guess Mm -hmm. it just needed a traumatic event to trigger that, like somebody being stabbed in front of her. Yeah. Like I, I could see that being more of like what... Like, she's always had the crystal, um, and it was in her tears, but, mm-hmm. yeah, actually, it just seemed a little weird that that was the, that's what brought the rainbow crystals together. But So, the other part of this episode that is a callback to the dub version that we watched as, as teenagers is that this is the part where they play the song, My Only Love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this song. I still sing it to myself sometimes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't really remember it, but I remember loving it. So it, I'm going to have to find it and listen to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube or something. It mm-hmm. is, it's, I mean, it is a very 90s song, but I think it's just like, it's it's not a great song, but I really like, it feels to me it like fits. it's got that emotional punch more than what the song that they played in the Japanese version had to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I kept expecting to hear my only love, but I realized that that's just the Deke version because mm-hmm. it's like, it just, 
I don't know, that like was so important in the in the Deke dub. At least I felt like it was. Because it made yeah. it very emotional to watch that. Yeah, there's a couple of songs um, from the dub that still really resonate with me. There's this one and there's one that comes up in Sailor Moon R called Rainy Day Man. I love that I song too. I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> and those are like my two favorite songs from Sailor Moon. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting that like all these years later, I'm still like, I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, such a good episode. It was. It's just, oh. So then we're left with, the the episode ends with Usagi as the moon princess. And that's it. She's mm. just floating in, like, sparkly pink light. And everybody's watching. And that's it. The episode yep. ends. And you're like, but, but, but I want more. Oh, no. <laughs> that was exactly my thought. <laughs> it was like, so talk good. Talk about your cliffhanger. Uh, so is there anything else we want to talk about in this episode? I could just watch the next one. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be the next episode, obviously. Um, I just, I mean, I've just always loved the Moon Princess dress. I just think it's just the prettiest thing. It's just oh, so yeah. pretty. I, just, I love that dress. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I also like the beads in her hair, like the little hair clips. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. like, those are very cute. I've always liked that she has the crescent on her forehead instead of the tiara. Like, mm-hmm. it, later on, when one of her transformations, uh, the tiara with the red gem turns into a tiara with a crescent moon. And then after that, she loses her tiara completely and just has the crescent moon. And I always liked that she had, like, this, this symbol on her forehead prominently displayed for everybody to see that she is the moon princess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dress. I, I remember the dress from being a teenager being your favorite, Karina. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just I think it's so pretty. Mm-hmm. I just love it. And uh, uh, this episode isn't coming out until much, much later from when we're recording it. But uh, there is the, the uh, Sailor Moon wedding dresses that came out. Um, so when you're listening, when you're, listeners, when you're listening to this, I think it's going to be like January. We're recording this in August. So if you want to scroll way back through all our Instagram to August-ish, I did post the uh, pictures of the Sailor Moon wedding dress collection. We can and just they repost. Do a nice, or we can repost if we remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they did do a nice um, version of the princess dress and of Queen Serenity, Neo-Queen Serenity's dress, which is also mm-hmm. very nice. They're beautiful, those dresses. Just mm-hmm. stunning. Yeah, now I need to go and listen to the song. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Oh, oh so I just good. I could watch this episode on repeat. It just was it was so good. It just was mesmerizing and I just loved it mm-hmm. so much. Like it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we get into after this episode, we start to get into a little bit of a almost a darker version of Sailor Moon with uh uh Mamoru, which we won't spoil it in case nobody's seen this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't but, really uh, remember. Like, I remember there being some dark times, but I don't remember exactly what happened or why. So, yes, I'm excited to see that again. Yeah. So our next two episodes are episodes 35, Returning Memories, Usagi and Mamoru's Past, where we'll probably hear a little bit more about the Moon Kingdom. 
and uh, the Moon Princess. And then episode 36, Usagi's confusion is tuxedo mask evil. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's the good one. I mean, all of Usagi's... these episodes. So who's had the worst year? Usagi or just the world in 2020? <laughs> <laughs> because Usagi has been through a lot. <laughs> Yeah, Usagi has uh, a real rough go of things. She does. But she has her friends. Yeah. But, Mm -hmm. like, right from the first, like, first of all, this weird cat shows up and tells her she's, you know, a pretty guardian that needs to fight bad guys. And she's like, what the hell? And then, you know, things get a little better because she's got friends and tuxedo mask and things are going. And then they get this bomb dropped on her that she's the frickin' moon princess. And I'm like, she doesn't even want to be the sailor. She never really wanted to be Sailor Moon. And now she's also a princess. So she's like, ah. And then <laughs> Tuxedo Mask goes evil. Like, poor Usagi. This is a lot for a 14-year-old mm-hmm. brain. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I don't think she ever really wanted to know who Tuxedo Mask was as well, too. I think she was always pretty content in not knowing and always having that kind of curiosity there with not yes. knowing who was. And I think she wanted to keep that fantasy. So I think that was also part of why she was a little was, upset to find out his yeah. identity. It was like her celebrity crush. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was that, she likes that mystery and that, that the mysteriousness of, of the gallant masked stranger. Like, you know, a lot of girls have that kind of romance, romantic mm-hmm. notion. And and I've got to say, yeah, like for any of my favorite celebrities, I don't want to meet them because I don't want that illusion to get wrecked. I remember right. actually going to Comic-Con and meeting someone um, that my husband wanted to see. And it was like, oh, I really, really liked you. And you just wrecked all this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was like, I wouldn't want to meet any other ones. So I feel like that's something very much that is part of what she's working through in a very short time span. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met a famous person that hasn't been nice. So I'm like, or like, or somebody that I respected that much and looked up to that much that hasn't also been like a, a decent person to me. But yeah, there, that's why there's that expression. Don't meet your heroes. Right. Yeah. It was, um, they were very nice. Like they were not mean at all whatsoever, this individual, but it was just, very they just were just very much just a regular person and not the larger than life characters that I was used to seeing individual portray I hear you yeah yeah I don't want to meet yeah well especially if you're meeting like an actor or something right like if you were gonna like meet Chris Pine well then (laughs) (laughs) you can take him (laughs) Yeah, I think all of the Chris's, I think I'm just kind of like, mm, you know what? I'm happy just seeing them on a screen. I don't right? really Like, you don't want to meet them in real life. I wouldn't mind meeting Chris Hemsworth. I feel like he'd live up to it. But I'm also very aware he's very happily married to someone that I think is also awesome. So I think for him, it would just be neat just to see him in person. And you're I feel barely like he might be the one person that lives up. Yes. You are very happily married to somebody, too, there, dear. <laughs> <laughs> that is also correct. <laughs> I mean, I, 
you know, like my husband is my real life hero. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's always the joke you have is like, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's the quote unquote list of celebrities. If you had a chance, like uh, I, I, I always I, jokes about Anna Kendrick being his second wife. But Anna Kendrick, okay, can I just say that if Brent has Anna, no offense, Jen, but if Brent marries Anna Kendrick, then I get to be her friend, right? Like, ouch. (laughs) We'd still be friends. We'd just be friends with Anna Kendrick. (laughs) I just, I always tell Brent, you can have Anna Kendrick and a second wife, but remember, I'm the first wife, and the first wife gets to be the boss. Uh, I asked Craig once who he would want on his list and he named a celebrity and I was like, you, you basically named like the celebrity I'm probably closest to. Like she's even the same height and well, she's slimmer, but I was like, she's the same height as me. And like to describe her would be very similar. And she's even a couple of years older than me. I'm like, really? Oh, like you can go that for fantasy here. here. You are his celebrity crush. That's cute. <laughs> But yeah, so that's probably why Usagi's like, oh shit, now I know who he is. Yeah. And he's not even, he's not even Motoki. Yeah. <laughs> no, but see, now she could be like, all right, well, I have Tuxedo Mask and Motoki. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sailor Moon gets one and I get the other one. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to see know. how this plays out. And I do also want to see as well, too, because Mamoru's been dating ray so in the in the deke dub i just remember her saying like at some point she goes like uh i guess they were meant to be like way before we were or something like that okay i don't remember that yeah so i'm interested to see how it plays out yeah i don't know if it's in this episode or in the next episode where she goes like i guess she says like they were meant to be together long before darian and i or something like that Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I yeah. think that's probably going to come up in the next episode. That and like he hasn't been a very good boyfriend to her to begin with. Oh no, no. not at all, not yeah. at all. Yeah, you just kind of hope that he's uh, going to step it up a moment, a uh, step it up a bit for his destined moon lover. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's the thing. It's. Um... You know, when you're in the wrong relationship, you don't, the guy normally isn't the best. And then when he finds the right one, he's just a fantastic partner. Like the right person yeah, brings that out in you. Exactly. You got to find your your fit. Otherwise, it's like, hmm, it's not a good fit. That's my words of wisdom, I suppose. Uh, I feel like I'm making should, very little sense. We should end every episode with like Genevieve being like, and that's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> or like Genevieve's words of wisdom. And I feel like those are things we could put on t-shirts. I do too. <laughs> or at oh. least a mug. At least a mug. I don't know if I like where this is going. <laughs> you guys do need sailor snacking mugs, by the way. Yes, and we'll fill them with Dalgona coffee or the mm-hmm. matcha coffee. Yum. I yep. choose. <laughs> uh, we'll worry about marketing once we uh, figure out how many people are actually listening to this show. So if you're listening, <laughs> let us know. Bye. Yeah, if you want sailor snacking stuff, we can figure out something. 
Probably. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so anything else that we want to cover for this? I think we're good. Yep. 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 I loved it. I'm good. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that just leaves me to say thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you for Karina for being our special guest. And we'll see you next time because uh, you're coming back again to find out what happens to uh, the probably dead tuxedo mask and the newly revealed moon princess. Um, and if you want, you can find us online at our Instagram, which is at Sailor Snacking. If you want to talk to us, we're still piggybacking off of uh, True North Nerds for now. So you can email us at truenorthnerds at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at True North Nerds. In case you don't know, which you should because this is how you found this podcast, True North Nerds is the other podcast that I do with my husband and our friends Ryan and Kevin, both of whom have been guests on the show. Uh, yeah. And if you want to uh, get in touch with us, please do read and or uh, rate and review. Let us know what you're thinking of our podcast and if you've tried out any of the awesome snacks that we've covered so far. So, yeah, till next time, we'll see you later. Bye. 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 Bye.